Amen. Well, it, it would be my joy if you would join me in the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, as we enter into this two-week series called, What Child Is This? What Child Is This? Thinking about the birth of Christ, thinking about Christmas, we oftentimes turn our hearts to a lot of things, to friends, to families, to presents. But any, more than anything, we need to turn our eyes to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So we read these words, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, it says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers, or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the greatest of all time. Lord, you are preeminent. You reign supreme over all. Lord, holy, 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 we are standing right now. Whether we realize it or not, whether we recognize it or not, whether we affirm it with our lips or not, Lord, we are standing in your glory. And Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy of every song to be sung about you. You are worthy of every heart to be obsessed with you. You're, you're worthy of all our minds' attention to be fixed on you. Lord, you're worthy of every knee bowing and every tongue confess, confessing that you are Lord. That you are King and there is no other. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts this morning through your word that we might see Jesus, that we might behold the glory of God, your glory in the face of your one and only Son. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, warning, you are in danger of missing Christmas. I hear some gas from the young ones here. Wait, what? In danger of missing Christmas. Yes, you are in danger, little ones, older ones. I don't know what category you want to put yourself in there, but you are in danger. You and I are in danger of missing Christmas. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've had my Christmas tree up since Halloween. If you're like our family, you say, Pastor, you don't understand. Christmas is my favorite time. I've been counting down the days on my Advent calendar. I've been eating all the chocolates from my Advent calendar. <laughs> I, I, I've been saying, Alexa, how many days until Christmas since July? Somebody's been, some of you all have been doing that. You, Pastor, you don't understand. My radio has been fixed 
full blast on North Pole radio and since they turned it on. Which is the worst. Don't have that's don't do that. <laughs> Others are like, you know what? You don't have to tell me I'm about to miss Christmas. I haven't brought a bought a present yet, and next week's coming. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. Now, I don't doubt that you will enjoy the holiday. I don't doubt that you'll receive presence, that you'll see family, that you'll experience laughs, that you'll enjoy food. The danger is, in all of this, the danger for all of us at Christmas is that you can do all this and still miss Jesus, and still miss the glory of Jesus Christ. See, it would be a tragedy. It would be a tragedy if you celebrated Christmas without receiving Jesus without seeing Jesus, without experiencing Jesus and enjoying and treasuring Jesus Christ this Christmas. The church of Colossae was in danger of this very thing. They were in danger of minimizing Jesus, of missing Jesus and minimizing his glory. And so the Apostle Paul, at the beginning of this letter, writes this beautiful hymn so that they could meditate on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so in the midst of this busy and distracted and restless season, we as a church are going to pause today to meditate on Christ together. To meditate on the all-surpassing glory of Jesus so that we might see him. Let me ask you this morning, before we jump into the text, are, would you say that you are, would you admit that you are in danger of missing Jesus? I mean, if you've thought about it, have you been so busy, so distracted that you're in danger of missing the King and why he has come to earth? You're in danger of minimizing who it is that's lying in a manger that's not just some baby. It's the king of glory. Lord, I, want, I don't want any of us to miss Christ. Show us. Lord, help us. Help us as your people, as your church gathered here today to see, to be moved, to enjoy and treasure Jesus together. The first thing we see here about Jesus is that Jesus is above all things. Paul begins this beautiful hymn with this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. It sounds a lot like John 1. Where in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then if you jump down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. See, Jesus is the invisible God made visible. He is, as some would say, He is the spitting image of His heavenly Father. He, he's the love of God, the glory of God that cried and lied in a manger. 
The glory of God that walked among us, that preached among us, that healed the sick, the lame among us, that suffered and died for us. But here's what what Paul wants our hearts to get this morning, that before the cross in Jerusalem, and before he walked by the Sea of Galilee, and before he grew up in Nazareth, and even before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, the Son of God was always forever in glory. The Son of God has always existed and has always been worthy of all glory. I love the story found in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus says this verse that we probably all have heard before, where Jesus says to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And what Jesus is saying is the only way to heaven, the only way to be with God the Father forever is through believing and trusting in him. But then Philip, Philip can't hold it in anymore. Philip blurts out to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And what does Jesus say to him? Have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? And then he says this, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Listen, Jesus reflects perfectly and precisely the character and the nature of God in heaven because he himself is God in the flesh. I love what Michael Reeves says in his book, Rejoicing in Christ. He says this, There is no God in heaven who is unlike Jesus. There is no God in heaven who is unlike Jesus. So when Paul says that he is the image of the invisible God. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you behold Jesus, you are beholding the eternal God. Listen, as as Mary is beholding baby Jesus, looking down in the face of Jesus for the first time on earth, someone is looking into the face of God. Think about that. I should leave you in awe. Now, when the hymn says he is the firstborn of all creation, it's not saying that Jesus is the first in order. That God created everything, but first he created Jesus. No, this, this phrase means that, that Jesus is first in importance. He is the supreme one over all others. that The whole hymn is, a, is, thi- is about this. It's a whole song about the supremacy of Christ, that we see Jesus above all. That There is nothing or no one that is higher than Jesus in all his creation. Listen, Jesus has no rivals. Jesus has no equals. Everything in all creation pales in comparison to Jesus. And the question is, does your heart see this today? 
Do you believe that this morning, that Jesus has zero rivals? Ask yourself, look into your heart. What rivals Jesus for your worship? What rivals Jesus for your time? What rivals Jesus for your mind's attention, for your heart's affection and love? What's rivaling Christ? Is it those pictures? Is it those possessions that you have? Is it that relationship, that money? Listen, it all falls short of Jesus. All things are beneath Jesus, and one day every knee will bow at his feet. But the question today is what about for you today? Is Jesus above all things? The second thing we see is that Jesus is the creator of all things. Verse 16 states why Jesus is the, the greatest. Why, why no one else compares to Jesus. Listen, it says, for, that word should tune you in to why he is the greatest. For, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. Now, Joshua Biggs, do you know what all things means in the Greek? It means all things. That's, that's what it means. It literally means all things. All things in heaven and on earth. Everything that you can see, he says visible and invisible, above even every power, every king. He, he says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, Jesus reigns over all. and He has created all. If you could find the hidden tag of anything in creation, like the Atlantic Ocean, the giant sequoias, the Mount Everest, Mammoth Cave, the sun, the moon, the Big Dipper, the, the anteater, the ant, the red panda, the beluga whale. Like, if you could find the frog in the middle of the Amazon that nobody else has discovered yet, on that tag it wouldn't say made in China or made in the USA. It would say made by Jesus Christ. Made by Jesus. As Abraham Kuyper says, there is not one square inch of the entire creation about which Jesus does not cry out, this is mine. Not one thing that Jesus doesn't say, this is mine. That's what's amazing about Christmas. Think about this, the star that hovered over Bethlehem was perfectly placed there and held there by this baby. The tree that later became the manger was created by baby Jesus that was lying in it. Mary is sitting there cuddling and caring for her baby. The baby that made her and knew her before the foundation of the world. That's incredible. The, the creator has now humbled himself 
to become a needy infant in the arms of his creation. Do you know what that means when we read this verse? This includes you. You are part of the all things that were created by him. The all things created by Jesus. You were created by Jesus. Well, you well, I'm a self-made man. Wrong. You're not a self-made man. You can't take credit for yourself. Jesus gets all the glory and all the credit from you. So let yourself be in awe and in wonder this morning that, that this is overwhelming. This is remarkable. Don't miss that Jesus is the creator of all things. The third thing we see is that Jesus is the purpose of all things. The purpose of all things. Did you notice the last two words of verse 16? The last two words of verse 16 are this. All things were created through him and for him. All th things were created through him and for him. Listen, you don't just exist because of Jesus. You exist for Jesus. You exist for the glory of Jesus. The goal of all creation is the glory of the creator, Jesus. All creation is a theater, an, an art gallery for the glory of Jesus. It's not for us simply to just go through the motions. We're not here simply existing. No, we exist to see and to savor Jesus. And that's the danger of gifts. That's the danger of gifts. And I'm not talking about gifts just at Christmas time under the tree. I'm talking about all gifts. The, the danger of gifts is when you never get past the gift. The purpose of the gifts. The, the purpose for the gift that was given to you. It was also ultimately so you could turn from the gift and turn to the giver. It was ultimately so you could treasure Jesus, the greatest gift of all time. So that means if you hear a beautiful song for the first time, or if you enjoy a book and it brings you to tears, or you see a moving movie, it's for the glory of Jesus. You should turn your heart to the glory of Jesus. If you enjoy a beautiful wife, sweet children, great friends and family, it's for the praise of Jesus. If you experience a, a wonderful meal, maybe some freshly roasted coffee, or, or maybe if you've ever been to my parents' house on Christmas my mom makes the best rolls in North America. I promise you, if you taste those rolls, it's for Jesus. 
Maybe a good practice this week in the midst of the busy celebration is to see how you can stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all of this. When you see the sunset over the ocean, when you stand next to the Grand Canyon, when you behold a starry sky, it's all singing of the glory of Jesus. So when the gift doesn't drive you to worship Jesus, you're missing what it was created for. You're missing the purpose for which it exists, that you might praise and give glory and turn your heart to Jesus. See, the incarnation was the opportunity for that glory to come down. For the love and the beauty and the grace and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus to walk among us. So that we could behold him and give him the glory that he deserves. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in. That means the whole world is God's. The whole world was created by Jesus, and the Creator has every right to say what the purpose of His creation was. And He says that my creation is for my glory. The purpose of everything created was and is his glory. And that means your purpose is his glory. Fourth, we see that Jesus is the sustainer of all things. Verse 17 of this hymn says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So so not only... Does everything exist because of Jesus? Not only is everything for Jesus, but everything keeps existing because of Jesus. He is the sustainer of all things. The Bible says, in him, all things hold together. So everything you see exists and keeps existing right now Because Jesus Christ says it's so. The reason the earth doesn't spin out of control right now. Like the reason the earth doesn't spin out of control into the midst of the galaxy is because Jesus holds it there. Jesus holds it in orbit. The reason the stars shine every night that the, the reason the sun rises in the east and today, I promise you, will go down in the west is because of Jesus. The reason gravity works, the, the reason things that go up must come down, it's because of Jesus. The reason that oceans only come so far and stop or overflow the shore is all because of Jesus. The reason the chair you sit in is holding together is because of Jesus. Even more so, listen, the only reason that you're still breathing right now, that you're breathing in and out, is only because of Jesus. 
The only reason you have sustained life in this moment is because his sustaining grace. And that's the only reason. As Paul Washer says, he says, there is not one maverick molecule in all creation. Not one maverick molecule that's doing what it wants to do. Every molecule bows to Jesus. If this is true, that means there's no such thing as self-sufficiency. There's no such thing as self-reliance. There's not one self-sustaining thing in the world. That's all an illusion, but Jesus is the reality. There's no such thing as independent except for Jesus. And we are all completely dependent on him. Why do you think he's the one that could walk on water? Why do you think he's the one that can say, peace be still, and the oceans cease to move? It's because he reigns over all of it. And he sustains all of it. He holds it all together. So that means living under the illusion of our independence. Living each day like we're going to have things the way we want to have things. To to live like we can be some self-sovereign king. That's called sin. It's called we're living under an illusion. We're living in rebellion. And, And the Bible calls us to repent of sin. And to rely all of our lives, rely completely on Jesus Christ, our King. Have you ever heard of deism? Do you know what a deist is? It's someone who believes that God created the world, but then he just left the world to itself. He created it, but then he just stood back, and now he's an impersonal God distant from his creation, disengaged from his creation with nothing to do with it. And if we're not careful, we can live like deists who think that that Jesus has nothing to do with our worlds. He is distant from our worlds. He has nothing to do with me. But the Bible teaches, and we as Christ's people believe that God doesn't exist at a distance. That the Lord is not disengaged with us, his creation. In fact, God has always been intimately engaged with his creation from the very beginning. So much so that he would be moved by love to become flesh and to dwell among us. So that even while Jesus was lying in a manger, we believe Hebrews 1.3 is true that He was upholding the universe by the word of his power. Even lying in a manger, he's upholding the universe by the word of his power. What child is this? Think about it. Steal your heart for a second to look at Christ. What child is this? Don't miss who is lying in the manger at Bethlehem. He's the one who created you. He's the one who is worthy of all glory, the one who you were created for, the one who sustains you even right now in this very second. 
But we do miss Jesus, don't we? We do miss Jesus. We minimize His glory. We do worship idols more than Him. We do love His gifts more than we love Him. We do try to be self-sovereigns over our own lives. We hear the song at Christmas, Oh, come, oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. And our sinful hearts say, no, no, I'm good. Listen, don't miss Christmas. Don't miss the glory of Christ. Don't live under an illusion. But brothers and sisters, the surprise, the good news is that the surprise of Bethlehem is nothing compared to the shock of Jerusalem. It's one thing for Jesus to be born into his creation. But listen, Jesus was crucified by his creation. The very people that King Jesus gave breath to, with that very breath, they shouted, crucify him. With that very breath, they spit upon him and scoffed at him. They mocked him saying, if you are really the king, then save yourself. And the Bible says they killed the author of life. For the king of glory, brothers and sisters, listen, for the king of glory to be born in a humble manger is shocking. Yet for the king of glory to be nailed on a sinner's cross is scandalous. Think about that. For the king of glory to be born in a humble manger is shocking. But for the king of glory to be nailed on a sinner's cross when he is without sin is scandalous. The king of glory came to earth. The king of glory, worthy of all glory, worthy of all praise, was crucified because you fell short of his glory. Because you had sinned and fallen short of the glory of of God. And this is why Jesus was born. He was born. Jesus was born so that he could die. And he rose again so that you could live. That's the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. You were a sinner and didn't deserve it. He was the king of glory and deserved all the glory. And the king of glory came and he came to die. And he rose again so that you could live forever forgiven, forever free in him. So that you could live now for the very reason you were created, for the glory of Jesus. So this morning you could repent of being a self-sovereign and fall down and give glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, that was my story when I was 16. When I was 16 years old, I acted like and I felt like I lived like I was a king. Like I wanted things my way. Like I was going to do things for myself and for my glory. Like I was king. And that was 
sin because I had rebelled against the king of kings. The one who created me. The one who sustained me. The one I was created for. And the shocking grace of the gospel is that the king of kings came to earth and the king of kings died for a rebel like me. And he died for a rebel like you. That you could turn from your sin and your rebellion and you could throw yourself upon the king and find mercy and grace and forgiveness in him. That's why we're here this morning is to celebrate the king. Whether you've seen it or not today, I, I pray the Lord shows us that Christ is the king, that Jesus is the king. And, and that's the final thing we see in our text is that Jesus is the king of his church. Listen to the last verse. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That in everything he might be supreme. That in every heart he might reign victorious. See, the church is the place. The church is the place in our world where we no longer live under the illusion. We no longer live under the illusion that sin is better than Jesus. No longer live under the illusion that we are self-sufficient and self-reliant. No longer live under the illusion that we are kings. But Christ is the king. We have found the reality, the ultimate reality of life. And that is that all things are by Christ. All things are for Christ, and in him all things hold together. And so that's why we gather here this morning. That's why we gather here every Sunday. That's why we'll be gathered here on Christmas morning next week and every single Sunday after that. Because we live under the reality that Christ is our Savior. That Christ is our King. That's the good news, the reality of the gospel that we rest in this morning. We believe that Christ was born. We believe that Christ was born to die. We believe that Christ was born to die on a cross, and on the third day, he rose again. We believe that Christ was born to die and rose again and he rose again that we too will one day rise again as he is the firstborn from the dead. And we believe that one day Christ will come again. And on that day, every eye will see him. And on that day, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what takes place here on Sundays is a group of people that say, we don't want to wait till that day. We don't want to wait to be for Christ, for his glory. 
We believe with all our hearts. We sing with all our hearts. We shout with all our hearts that Christ is King. That Jesus is Lord. So I invite you this morning, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we know that Christ and Christ alone is worthy of all glory and all praise. For by Him all things were created. And Father, for Him all things were created. And Lord, in Him all things hold together. And so Lord, I pray that you would lift high the glory of Christ in this place. Lift high the glory of Christ above any other name, among any other rival that's after our heart's affection, our mind's attention, anything else that's after our worship. Lord, I pray that we would turn our eyes upon the glory of Jesus. That even this morning you would say, let there be light, and we would see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that for every believer in here today, that you would help us see and experience and enjoy and treasure Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every, Lord, sinner who's never turned to Jesus. Every self-sovereign that's deceived that they are king, Lord, I pray that they would turn and repent of their rebellion to run to King Jesus. To run and collapse on King Jesus, the only one who lived, died, and arose again for them. That they might serve and worship and adore Him as King. Lord, would you do that in this moment? Lord, would you turn our eyes upon Jesus? That we would look full in His wonderful face. That that the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lord, we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus, our Savior, and Jesus, our King. Amen.